For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I'll give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, will you go into the vineyard too? When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree to work with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 through verse 16. Each and every one of us has a different work background and a different outlook on work. Some of us are white-collar workers, some of us are blue-collar workers, and some of us don't even have real jobs, we just preach. Some of us are labor, some of us are management, some of us are pro-union, some of us are against unions. But no matter what our perspective on labor and working is, this parable about the workers in the vineyard causes us all to stop and wonder what is going on here. Because something just seems a little bit odd. It doesn't fit with what we expect about being given reward for labor. But I'll tell you what, for all the questions that we might have and all the things that we don't understand about this, there's at least one thing that I think we can learn from this parable. And that is, workers are wanted. I'd like for us to take a few moments to take a look at this parable and learn three lessons that describe what God wants of us and what He sees in us as workers within his vineyard. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty Father in heaven, we lift you up and praise your name. You are awesome and powerful and majestic. We cannot fathom your greatness, and we cannot even in our, in our most colorful language praise you as you deserve, but we ask, Father, that you would accept what we offer you in our songs, in our prayers, in our praises. We're thankful for this opportunity we had to open your word and learn how to serve you, and we hope that what we're doing here is pleasing to you. Father, we pray that you strengthen us, motivate us to be workers in your kingdom, workers in your vineyard. And we pray that you would bring us harvest within our own lives and also here within the community. Help us to be a working church that reaches out to the community that draws people in so that more people can be in your kingdom and more people can be in heaven forever. Help us to see the lost people around us and persuade them with your gospel and with the love of your son and with your word so that they might have their sins forgiven. Father, we ask that you would forgive us because we know we're sinners. We have gone against your will. We've, we've gone away from your word. We've done what we wanted to do. we followed paths of selfishness and fleshly, fleshly lust. We ask that you help us to overcome that, to turn away from the tempter, remove us from his captivity and from his traps, and help us 
to serve and honor and glorify you above all things. We love you, Father, and we thank you so much for loving us. Through your Son we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Three lessons about how Jesus looks at us. The first one, what, what is the kingdom like? Well, the kingdom is like a landowner who sees two different kinds of people. Those who are either working in the vineyard or those who are idle in the marketplace. You see, this is, this is really the only choice. There's no middle ground. Either they were workers or they were idle. And that's the way it is for us in the kingdom. When God looks down in the world, he sees two kinds of people. He sees folks who are working in his vineyard, or he sees folks that are idle in the marketplace. As we look at ourselves, we might not see it that way. There are all kinds of things that we can be involved in. Do you realize that we can actually be extremely active people within the world, and yet still, in God's eyes, just be an idle marketplace dweller? There are all kinds of things that we can be involved in. Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, 4-H, Junior Achievement, PTA, Lions Club, Kiwanis, Rotary, Toastmasters, so many things that we can be doing. And yet if that's all we're doing, when God looks down upon us, we're still just idle marketplace dwellers. The thing that we have to understand is that only work in the kingdom is of true, lasting value. Only work that brings souls into the body of Christ is of true, eternal significance. Now, please don't take from that that I'm saying we shouldn't be involved in any of those other things. I'm not saying that at all. We can be. We should be. We're, we're in the world. And because of that, we, we ought to be involved in things that help make this world a better place. But we just need to keep things in perspective. We can be working in the world and we can be making folks in our society healthy, wealthy, intelligent, and very successful, but when we're done with that, they're still going to go to hell. The only work that is of true eternal significance is getting out into the vineyard, planting, watering, and cultivating, and drawing the fruit into Christ. And we've got to make sure that we're involved in that work because if we're not, then we're standing idly in the marketplace, no matter how busy. We think we are. Secondly, what is the kingdom like? The kingdom is like a group of workers. You see, God expects us to be workers. It's it's an ever-growing group of workers. There in our parable in Matthew chapter 20, the landowner is going out into the marketplace in the early morning, at the third hour, at the sixth hour, at the ninth hour, at the eleventh hour. He's wanting more and more workers all day long because there's just that much work that needs to be done. So it's an ever-growing group of workers. But understand this. It's not a group of loungers. It's not a group of people who are milling about in the vineyard eating the grapes. It's not a group of people who are laying out and resting in hammocks under the shade of the vine. It's a group of workers. These people who went out into the vineyard, they got dirty. They got sweaty. It was hot. Their knees ached at the end of the day. Their backs hurt at the end of the day. Their hands and arms and limbs were stiff. Their joints were aching because they were working. Because they were working. And this is what God expects of us. Look in John chapter 15 and verse 8. 
John chapter 15 and verse 8 says, John 15, 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Do you understand what that passage says? That passage says that our job is not to sit back and bask in the glory of God. Our job is to step up to the plate, get to work in the vineyard, and bear more fruit, working so that God can be glorified further. Jesus established the example for us in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, beginning at verse 34. John chapter 4 and verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Excuse me, Jesus is talking to his disciples here about work. And he describes his example of work. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Just think about that. Does anybody ever have to convince us to eat? Most of us don't have to be convinced of that. That just comes pretty naturally. Some of us, it comes more naturally than for others. We like to do it a lot. Jesus said, though, that his food was to do God's will. That's how important it was. It was, so, it was like eating for him. It was something he just had to do. It was something he couldn't keep away from. That's how much of a worker he was. And then he turned to his disciples and said, I want you to look out at the fields. They're white for harvest. Some, some folks suggest that at this point, Samaritans were probably already on their way, and Jesus was able to look out on the fields as, as the Samaritans were coming to check out what this woman was telling them, and he was looking at them, and as they would wear their normally white robes, he looked, look, the fields are white for harvest. And so it was a great word picture for them. We can't see that necessarily. We're not out in the field. We're here in the building. But I just want you to think about the 40,000 people that live in Franklin alone, not considering the folks that are down in Thompson Station and Spring Hill and up in Brentwood and off in Fairview and all the way over in Murfreesboro with Wiley. All those folks who need the gospel. Fields white for harvest. Who's working? Very interesting. Very interestingly, I'll get it out here, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 6, he comes, uh, the landowner goes out at the 11th hour and says, why do you stand here idle? And they said, because no one has hired us. Here he was going into the marketplace and he found idle people. Wouldn't it have been sad, though, if he had walked into his vineyard and found folks who were still standing idle? And sadly, I fear all too often that's what's happening among Christians, especially especially today, as we get so caught up in so many of the things that we want to do instead of working in the kingdom, that here we are in the vineyard, but we're standing here idly. We want to bask in the glory of God. We want to think about the reward that we're going to receive someday and yet never recognize that it's the workers who get rewarded, not the resters. The ones who work in the vineyard receive the reward. This is what God has called us to, to work. How are you doing on that? Remember, really, there's only two kinds of people. Those who are working in the vineyard 
and those who are just idle in the marketplace. We may come to church, but if we're idle, we're not really in the vineyard. As we get done with this lesson, in just a few moments, I'm going to offer an invitation. You need to understand that that invitation is not to become a warm body who comes and sits in a pew. That invitation is so that we might be a worker in the kingdom, in the vineyard. What is the kingdom like? The kingdom is like a group of people that have worked different amounts of time, but when it comes time for the payment, they get the same. Why is that? It's because their reward is by grace. This is perhaps the most shocking part of the parable. There in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 9, when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first in verse 10 came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. This is, this is shocking to us because no employer in his right mind will try this today. If he did, he would have to deal with lawsuits and unions and strikes and, and all kinds of problems. Nobody would try this. But really, the reason it's most shocking is that Jesus wanted this to stand out. Jesus wanted this to be the part that's most shocking because it drives home at the real point behind this parable. Why is it that all of these workers, though they work differing amounts of time, receive the same amount of pay for their labor? We have to understand that this story was not just told in a vacuum. It actually backs up to what happened as Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler. There in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 21, he said to the rich young ruler, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Now the rich young ruler went away depressed, saddened, upset, because he had so many things that he wouldn't give them up. That kind of reminds us of this morning's lesson, doesn't it? The cost of discipleship. It just costs too much for him. And so he walked away saddened, but Jesus continued the teaching with his disciples. But there's Peter off to the side, and he's just bubbling over. He's just got to ask a question. It's like off the welcome back car. Ooh, 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 I got a question. Verse 27, we've left everything and followed you. What will we have? Do you see what he's really asking about? The, the real point behind Peter's question is, you said that rich young ruler, if he gave up everything right now, he would have treasure in heaven. But Lord, we gave up everything a long time ago. What are we going to get? The idea was, if this guy gives up now, he's going to get treasure in heaven. We gave up a long time ago. We should get a whole bunch more. I just can't wait to find out what I'm I mean, if he was going to get treasure in heaven, I ought to get like two treasures in heaven or something. You know, we, we kind of get into that, don't we, a little bit when we talk about how many jewels we're going to get in our crowns. Hopefully we're easily joking when we say that, but you know, working for jewels in our crown, and who's going to get the bigger mansion in heaven? I've worked harder, so I ought to get a bigger mansion, right? I've done more, so I ought to have a shinier crown. That's, we really kind of get into that. But you see, Peter didn't understand. And Jesus had to explain to him, no, no, no. You're going to receive a great reward, Peter. You're going to see, receive a wonderful reward for what you've done. In fact, in verse 28, he says, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are fast will be first. Many who are first will be last and last first. 
See, that's the way it works in the kingdom. See, Peter needed to understand something. He said, no, no, no. Just because you were first doesn't mean you're going to get the greater reward. You're going to receive an amazing reward. But you're not going to receive anything greater than anybody else who follows me. Why is that going to happen? Why is it that the apostles could be the first to respond to the call of Jesus, but those who respond later are going to receive the exact same reward? It just seems wrong to us. If I have worked twice as long as you, I deserve twice as much as you. If I have worked twice as hard as you, I deserve twice as much as you. If I have been twice as consistent in my faithfulness than you, then I deserve twice as much. But you see, the problem is, you, did you see what, what all of that said? It's about what I deserve. But how much do I really deserve? You see, our reward is by grace. We don't deserve any of it. And therefore, it is impossible for me to deserve more than you. Luke chapter 17 deals with this. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 10, Jesus said, So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Though I might have been a Christian for twice as long as you, I don't deserve any more because that just meant I was just doing my duty. It took you longer to start doing your duty, but, but we're all just doing what we should have been doing all along anyway. And there's no way for us to be earning anything. If I'm out there serving the Lord, if I'm teaching classes, if I'm writing articles, if I'm teaching the lost, if I'm, if I'm visiting folks in the hospital, if I'm, if I'm writing notes of encouragement, if I'm going to help out the widows, if I'm, if I'm comforting the bereaved, if I'm rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep, I'm not earning anything. I'm only doing what I should have been doing all the way along anyway. And so what if I've been doing it twice as long as you? It's impossible for me to deserve more than you because I still don't deserve anything anyway. It's impossible for you to deserve more than me because you still don't deserve anything anyway. We are unworthy servants who are only doing what we should have been doing all the way along. But here's the great thing, and that is, is that Jesus is going to give us a reward. Though we don't deserve it, He has promised His grace and He has agreed to give us the reward. And how can we begrudge His generosity when He would give to others by His grace as well? Just because they haven't done as much as us. Of course, somebody might say, well, what would be the point of becoming a worker right now? I, I notice that I can wait until the 11th hour and I can become a worker and everything will be all right. I'll still get the same amount of, of, of reward as you. And so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to wait. And I'm going to live it up in this world for a while. And then when it gets to be the 11th hour, then I'll repent and then I'll come into the kingdom and I'll get to have the best of both worlds. Well, first, let me suggest to you that do you realize that following the will of God is really the way to have the best of this world? Because when the world throws at you suffering and trial and, and problems as it throws to everybody, it's only when you're doing the will of God that you can have the peace and the contentment and the joy to endure that. But second, 
What hour is it for you? What hour is it for you? This invitation that you're about to hear in a moment, which, which one is it? Is it the one in the early morning? Is it the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour? Is it the eleventh hour? Is it 11.59? And how do you know? We just don't know which hour it is. And so it's best to come on into the vineyard and get to work right now. What is the kingdom of heaven like? The kingdom of heaven is like a man, a landowner, who sees only two kinds of people, those who are working in the vineyard and those who aren't. The kingdom of heaven is like a group of workers. And the kingdom of heaven is like a group of workers who get paid the same amount, even though they've worked differing lengths of time. But as we conclude, there's one other thing I'd like you to notice in this parable. Just to highlight here, by way of conclusion, there in verse 6, in the 11th hour, the landowner went out to the marketplace and he sees these, he sees these guys just lounging around and, and he says to them, why, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said, well, because no one's hired us. On the surface, they make it sound like it's somebody else's fault that they've been standing around idly. Well, oh, you know, nobody would hire us. But, but this very landowner's been in the marketplace four times that day, hiring and eating everybody. Where were these men? They sleeping in? Not paying attention? Avoiding the call? Looking the other way? You see, the reality is this demonstrates one of the natural tendencies we have. And that is to push that blame off on God. He's not done what he needs to do. No, he's done what he needs to do. The call has been extended to us. He said he needs workers. And if we don't get out into the vineyard, we won't receive the reward. You know, the interesting thing here is when it came evening and the landowner paid his workers, he only paid workers. They may have started working at the 11th hour, but there were still people who worked. He didn't go back to the marketplace to the idlers and say, I know you've stayed here idle all day, but let me go ahead and pay you too. It was only the workers. We need to understand that. The reward of heaven is not for folks who are idle. The reward of heaven is for workers. And if you've come into the vineyard and you've started taking all your breaks, lounging around, trying to enjoy the fruit without reaping the fruit for the landowner, don't expect payment when evening has come. Only workers get the reward. What kind of work have you been doing? 